0: All right, recording this, the 11th of May, 5.05, afternoon. Um, so pretty much, we have uh, me and Nolan back on the pod. We're joined today, we know we've been having a lot of guests. Uh, today we're joined by Swinny Pool from the Strickland, great, 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 uh, great publication. If you guys are looking for Knicks content, because, you know, you guys are diehard Knicks fans. Um, so Swin, you know, we wanted to talk about, like, the, the Knicks' uh, current road trip um, in L.A., They they uh, picked one up against the Clippers. Uh, they have one against tonight against the Lakers. Uh, how do you feel about the game, uh, the Clippers game? You know, we had Reggie shooting the shit out the ball, 24 points. Uh, we had Derrick Rose coming off the bench, relieving Alfred Payton of his duties. Um, how do you feel about the Clippers game and um, the importance of the L.A. game?
1: Uh, I mean the Clippers game. I thought that was the best one of the season.
0: Uh, Agreed, for
1: yeah, sure. No, it, it was a full strength Clippers team, pretty much, other than Ibaka, which who cares? Um, you know we didn't have, we haven't had Mitch forever. Uh, no Burks, no Quickly. Um, it was a pretty shorthanded rotation, and uh, I mean they just they outplayed them. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, they turned the game ugly, they slowed it down, they got him in a half-court game, and they beat them at it. So, um, you know, shout-out to the Knicks, because when we played them last time, they just lit us up for, like, whatever it was, 130 or something like that. Um, and Kawhi, um, he gave RJ work, and I thought RJ did really great on him. Um, so... RJ did. RJ was great on defense. Bullock, I mean, the whole team was great on defense, to be honest. Um, but I can't say enough. I thought RJ and Bullock were just amazing uh, on defense. And I truly mean that. Like, I thought they were incredible on defense that game.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. Like, RJ specifically on Kawhi, like, up until that fourth quarter, Kawhi had nothing going. And, I mean, he had his like, highest points total in a while, but it took him a lot of shots to get there. RJ really made him work for pretty much everything all night.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, 100%. And uh,
0: another dope thing about that game, too, because Randall didn't have the best offensive night until he had to close it out, and... uh you know, with the double teams and everything, and it it's good to see, you know, our guys uh shooting the ball, man. Like RJ's uh three point shot. We talk about it all the time. rj shot on this pod, and uh that has you know bettered the team because you know when Randall is getting attention, which you know, now that you're starting to see like we're getting down to the stretch, so teams are starting to throw on that playoff defense. And um, and Randall's seen all types of coverages we see like in the Suns game and uh He's seen all types of coverages. So it's, uh, it's dope to see, you know, other guys, uh, participate. Um, I also wanted to talk about, uh, you know, with the absence of Burks and quickly, um, Frank has been getting minutes, um, during this road trip. Uh, I have yet again, you know, Frank has not delivered on that. And especially offensively, we really needed his offensive uh punch during that Suns game in particular and the nuggets game. Um, so when I, i don't i don't know if you're like most knicks fans or you're just done with him because i've heard a few of your takes on frank uh how do you feel about frank man and uh is this the end of the road for him or what's what's going on bro?
1: i mean it might be the end of the road for him in new york but i I just i don't really know what people expect like he hasn't played at all um then you just kind of throw him in the rotation against the best teams in the nba basically uh or some of them and (laughs) Uh, You know, I actually thought he was fine against Phoenix. I don't know why people were so pissed off about that game. Um, I thought his defense was really good in the first half. And then in the second half, okay, he missed a shot and they didn't use him to defend the point of attack, which he had been doing in the first half, which he did well. Um, So I I don't know. Like he came in, the entire team was crapping its pants. I I didn't really take much of that. Obviously the two air balls to start the Clippers game weren't great. And he hits a three then he hit, like, he took a step back or a sidestep three. He missed that, but it was, like, fine. I didn't mind it. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't think he played great or anything, but I didn't think he was terrible. Like, I, I just don't really know kind of how to grade him on a, what he's played like a total, I think, of, like, 13 minutes on this road trip after not playing for, I don't know how long. Uh, I mean, I know he's played, like, some garbage time minutes, but I'm talking about real minutes. He hasn't played real minutes since, I don't know, I think I want to say like March. So I just, it's like when Knox comes in and sure, like sometimes, you know, he'll come in in garbage time and he'll just start chucking. I don't really care for that. But like when he comes in during real minutes, he hasn't played in God knows how long. And I just don't know like how to judge that. Like, okay, you come in and it's like, okay, hit open threes. And like, you know, it's just not really a great situation for them. And I I don't think that's necessarily Tibbs' fault. Like, the team is super competitive and they're every game matters and every minute matters for that. Um, So I don't really blame those guys for if they come in and they're not looking so great. Cause I think it's hard. I think it's hard to like, to come in and play free. You know, that's the biggest problem is like coming in and just playing how you need to play. Um, Yeah. Like I don't really have a problem with that. If Tibbs doesn't want to play those guys. Um, My only problem with Tibbs is literally just, Alfred Payton stuff. I don't think you need him. Yep. And that's kind of like been my issue is people are like, well, you know, like you want to play Frank instead of Alfred Payton. Like, sure, I do, but I also don't think it matters. Like, you don't need to play Alfred. If if you, you cannot play Frank, and once Quickly and Brooks are back, there's still no reason to play Alfred Payton. Like it's not a it's not a Frank versus Elf thing or Frank versus whoever thing. It's just more like the only thing I really have a problem with with Tibbs is alpha pain stuff but um just going back to frank like yeah i don't know i think he probably just needs to end up going somewhere um where you know like ultimately and people will never accept this but like he's basically been treated terribly by this organization yeah, yeah. Uh, his entire For career sure. um he hasn't really gotten the chance to just like like play through mistakes um without having to worry about like, Oh, am I going to lose minutes to Jared Jack? Am I going to lose minutes to Dennis with junior? Like, If you just look at his career, we've literally brought in point guards every single year to start over him and have never actually invested in just trying to play him. And like, I actually like that Tibbs is basically like, you're not a point guard anymore. I'm making you a wing. And that's like an adjustment he has to make mentally and just kind of adapting on the court. Um, but like, yeah, I think for him, like, you know go to fucking detroit go to houston go to one of these dog shit teams that's rebuilding where you'll get you know minutes and a leash to just you know play and make mistakes and not have to look over your back every time you do um because like i i mean look i just think like a guy at his size that can defend like that that guy like he has a place in the nba and i yeah. think i think like at some point it might not be until he's 24 or 25 or something. It's going to click for him in terms of just figuring out what the role is, what the team is and all that. And I mean, like there's a lot of guys that are like this, right? Like, you know, you look at somebody like Patrick Beverly, he didn't come back to the NBA until he was well, like 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke R- Richard and Um, I know he, he actually, he got really good and ended up bouncing around on like contending teams. He ultimately got hurt and like, couldn't stick on. But um, you know, I just think like he's you know, like for example, people always talk about Tybal and Tybal is really good on defense. I think it's a little bit overstated because he can freelance a lot on a team like that which um not many guys have the freedom to do, but like um Thibault's, like 24. Um he's older than Frank by like 2 or 3 years. And I just I think like that much older, yeah. Yeah, like I just think that people give up on players like like The problem with Frank is the Knicks took him. He was a project. They never invested in the project or had a plan for the project. Exactly. Um, And they did the same thing with Knox, who I was much more down on than Frank. But even with him, it's the same concept. Like, you can't take these project players and then have no plan and have no kind of, like, willingness to go through the that process and like have a plan and stick to it with how you're going to get the best out of them. So, you know, those guys, I think both of them probably end up getting, needing a change of scenery. I think they both might get it this offseason. season. Um, so, you know, I hope that they land where they need to land and end up being good players um, because they're both good kids and they both uh, seem to work hard and seem well liked by their teammates.
2: Yeah, actually, um, I wanted to ask you about something you brought up was um about how Frank is playing mostly the two ball now. And, um, like, what do you think about that decision as a whole? Like, I know Fisdale did that a lot, and it seemed like Fisdale was trying to make him just have more of an attacking mindset. Do you think, like, that's kind of the reasoning behind him playing the two, or is it just that he's not a good enough ball handler to be the primary point guard?
1: I mean, I think it's – I mean – I personally think last year, if you look at the end of his third season, um, I've posted threads on this. I thought like Frank had actually really turned a corner. Not necessarily turned a corner, but he had taken a step um, Mm. as a ball handler, point guard, whatever you have it. Um, I just don't think Tibbs likes his point guards to be able to penetrate and get into the lane consistently. And if you look at his career, you look at all the teams he's had, he's always wanted to a point guard who can get into the paint and looks to score um as kind of like I don't want to say a first option because I don't want to make it seem like he doesn't want his point guard to pass but he likes his point guard to be an aggressive scoring option um mm-hmm. and that's something that's been consistent with him in Chicago that's something that you know if you look at like the ba- the main point guard switch he made in Minnesota um he traded Ricky, Ricky Rubio and signed Jeff Teague who fits yeah. more of that mold so i think that the decision with Frank is more like, I think he knows that Frank's defense can be valuable, but Mm. he doesn't see him as a point guard. So the way to use him then for him in his mind anyway, is like as a two or a three or whatever. So I don't really have a problem with that. To be honest, I've always thought that like Frank's versatility in that sense should be um, valuable because it allows you to play him in a variety of lineups and next to a variety of players. So I've never really had a problem with that. And um, you know, I, again like whatever i think about tibbs i think that he's been pretty consistent about how he views frank and how he views Knox and how he generally tends to use them so i don't have a big problem with any of that stuff
0: yeah for sure uh it's interesting that you say about how frank hasn't been treated well because you know when he got drafted i believe his rookie coach was hornacek and um i didn't like hornacek at all um and he started Jared Jack and that whole situation, which, which was awful, which is awful for his development. And then the next year, uh, you know, with Fisdale, Fisdale was just like a moron and a used uh, car salesman. And like the Moody situation, it was entertaining for the season, I guess, right, with those moments. You know, I remember he dunked on uh, Garrett Temple and, and all that jazz. It was cool or whatever, but, you know, it really hurt Frank's development. Also, Frank has been an uh, injury. You know, injuries has been a very big part of Frank's career with the groin multiple times. Uh, his rookie year, he got hurt with the groin last year. He got hurt with the groin before the COVID ending. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting to, to, to see where Frank lands next season because I do think it's it is the end of his tenure. I also wanted to talk about another young guy on the team, uh, Obi, right? Uh, Obi got drafted. Uh, We all thought he got drafted to replace uh, Randall before Randall had this spectacular season. A little bit of a minutes restriction. Uh, You know, Knicks fans, you know how they are. Like they were calling the kid trash and all. I I don't think Obi is trash at all. He really turned the corner. Uh, The past few games, his three point shot has really turned around. Uh, how do you feel about uh, uh, Obi's situation and uh, going forward? Do you think would you involve him in any s- trades or, or like are you down with the development of Obi swing uh, Swin? Um, I mean, I'm not really
1: opposed to trading Obi, but I wouldn't be like aggressively trying to shop him. I think he's looked mm-hmm. pretty good of late. <clears throat> um, I think he's played like actually good ball for about a month now um and his defense is a lot better than i ant- i i thought it would be uh he seems really aware that defense was a weakness for him coming in and trying his best on that end um is he a good defender yet i don't think he's necessarily a good defender but he's an active defender he's definitely engaged which i you know that's that's the mode that that's that's all you can ask for from guys. Some guys are gonna be good on defense, some guys are gonna be bad. As long as you're engaged and you're giving effort and you're making rotations, that's all you can ask for. And he's giving yeah, you that. Order. Yeah, yeah. He's giving you that. Um, I do wish he was a little bit stronger on the glass. I think he's improved a little bit, but I think he can get better there. Um and I, I like that of late he's been more confident with his shot, like regard whether it goes in or not. I think he's shooting a little bit more freely and he's um He's being a little bit more active cutting, uh, which is and getting out in transition a little bit. So he's getting some easier points that way. Um, but yeah, I I like Obi. I think he's you know, he he works hard. And like I think that he's at a weird development path. So I I don't buy this whole thing of like he's 23. So, you know, if he's not coming in immediately and his gangbusters, um, we gotta like, you know we got to be super worried about it mostly. And, and like, <clears throat> maybe I'd be worried if his struggles had continued all season, but they didn't, he's gotten a lot better. Like I said, I think literally for the last month. Um, And I mean, it's genuinely like he's played good basketball. So um I don't see, I don't think the Knicks need to rush anything. Um, Yeah. I know it sucks that he's kind of like the backup for Randall, but let's see. Like, I, I think that there's a chance that, um, You know, next year we'll we'll see a little bit more willingness from Tibbs to to mix him in at the five and maybe play those two together a little bit um, and experiment more in that sense. I just think that like this year for him, um, you know, I think Tibbs has been very focused on giving him minutes in a very specific role and wanting him to adapt to that role before he starts, you know, adding layers to what he can do and what he needs to uh, be able to get done on the basketball court
0: no for sure for sure I think I think it's important that uh that Knicks fans in general just stay patient with him right because I think the perception with him was that he was supposed to be like a made product you know he spent all those years at Dayton he was supposed to come in and have an immediate impact and I think uh, I'm with you just because he's 23 doesn't mean that he was supposed to come in and start dominating the league I don't think so what do you think about that Noah
2: yeah I mean especially with um him playing like a lower level of college I mean I know that Dayton team was a great Dayton team and they got robbed of a chance to make a tourney run that year when they canceled, canceled because to COVID and everything but I mean I heard even on um, the Macri was talking on KFS pod just about comparing him to a player like CJ McCollum who came from a smaller school and took a few years to develop and I'm not saying Obie's like anywhere near as talented as CJ McCollum but you see that he's getting better throughout the year. And I think that is just all you can really ask for. He's a hard worker. I wouldn't like Schwinn said, be eager to trade him. Cause I do think that the option of playing him at the five with Randall next year is enticing, especially if like mm-hmm. you can't bring back Mitch and Nerlens um, together. But I wouldn't like if a play, if a trade comes up for a player, like um like Lillard Beale. or someone like that, I would definitely not be afraid to throw Ob into a trade like that at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now, since the Knicks are on are in L.A., I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers win. And I wanted to ask you uh, pretty much, you know, A.D., he had dropped a uh, 40 something against the Suns. Uh, you know, LeBron seems like he's not going to play this game against us. He's going to play against the Rockets on Tuesday uh as far as the Lakers you know dropping down to the seventh seed and losing that tiebreaker against Portland uh should Laker Nation be scared like should they be you know not scared but like should they feel some type of intimidation coming inside the playoffs playing in and playing maybe mm-hmm. meeting up with Steph Curry in a playing game that would be like uh, an amazing game to watch uh <laughs> do you still uh do you still see them as uh back-to-back champions like some guys see them or how do you feel uh, I, I don't know. Um, I know AD just had a really big game
1: against, I don't even remember who the, the who Suns played the Suns. Um, that was a weird game, but cool. Good for him. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think so. Like I I'll be pretty amazed if they win just because, you know, LeBron hasn't played. I mean, he played a little bit, right. He came back, played like a couple of games then he sat out again. Um, I don't think he's going to be hundred percent the rest of the way. I don't think AD is going to be hundred percent. I don't care if he had a good game against the Suns; That's one game. Um, yeah. He can scream on back all he wants. Uh, you know, he's got to string together 10, 15 games for, I believe that. Uh, and then like, you know, I think the West is really good. And I think like you mentioned, like, you know, um, are they, would they be favorites with LeBron back and AD back? Uh, in a game, in a one-off game against the Warriors, for sure. But it's a one-off game. And when you got Steph Curry on the other side, yeah. it can always blow up on you. Um, I, I just think that they have to overcome so much in such a weird season. And it'd be one thing if they had missed, like, the first 30 games of the season and they were just playing catch-up, but they were, like, fully, you know, they've been playing for the last two, three months, right? LeBron and AD. But that's not what's happened. And they're, like using meaningful games now to kind of get themselves back into the rhythm and, you know, work their fitness up and all that. And I just, I don't, like Schroeder's still out, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just think they have so much, so many things that need to go right for them to win that I would be surprised. And, you know, like, again, the odds are they would at least get to the actual playoffs and not just the plan, but you oh, know, weird things can happen in games like that. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I would be really amazed if they won a championship this year, not so much because I don't believe in they have enough talent, but just the circumstances of it all make me very skeptical.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, I mean, really it all does come down to health with them. And right now there's just so many question marks. It's hard to pencil them in as favorites or anything like that. But I think, not that I love talking about the Nets or anything, but I think that's actually one of the most <laughs> impressive things about their season is that through all those injuries and through like one of their best players, like all three of them never really playing together, that they're still right up there at the top of the East. I mean, I know the East isn't the West in terms of difficulty, but just the dominance they've still been able to play with has been pretty impressive on that front in comparison to the Lakers who've looked so lost without
0: LeBron and AD. I think it's important to say, though, they do have LeBron James. So, you know, I, I have doubted this man in the past. In years and years and years, he has, you know, went to the finals. The, the the thing about it, though, like you guys said, the West is just stacked this year, man. Like Utah, if they ever get that Donovan Mitchell situation right, they're looking like a threat. They're looking like a, a real threat. The Suns, we've seen the Suns twice this year. And you see how how dominant they can be in stretches, you know, Nuggets without Jamal Murray, you're still a tough out in the playoffs. The Clippers are gonna be the Clippers, they're gonna be they're gonna be ready to play against that uh the Lakers. So it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be interesting to see. Um, another uh team in the West that I wanted to talk about was Dallas. You know, Dallas had an interesting situation because you know during the past uh week and a half, uh Mark Cuban got on radio and was uh pretty much saying, like, because there's been tension within the organization. And especially within that fan base, you know how a fan base could be uh, pretty much, you know, KP and Luca, they don't, they haven't been, you know, they're not really the best of friends, which we've seen that before, you know, they come into work and they do what they have to do. It's interesting, right? Because, you know, Mark had to address the, address that situation specifically, uh, which is, you know, which opened eye, which raised the eyebrows to me because it's like, yo, why are you even talking about this situation in the first place? Uh, is it really that serious? Uh, do, who do you even need to calm down? And, uh, it was interesting because, uh, KP, uh, responded to that with saying, quote, I've never had any problems with my teammates off the court. I've always gone along with them very well. I don't know what Cuban is talking about. I try to be professional as possible. You know, I, I say that to say, because, you know, Dallas, they're 16 and 12 without KP, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because uh, other guys like uh, Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. has stepped up. Uh, Timmy put up 24, 3-2, 51% on uh, three-point shots on 10 attempts. You know, he's been shooting the shit out the ball. Uh, how do you feel about Dallas, you know, in their situation with KP? You know, we had their picks. They're going to be in the playoffs most likely, but uh, how do you feel about that whole Dallas situation? Um, <clears throat> I
1: guess I, I just... I'm happy it's not us that has him. Um, <laughs> I'm happy we traded him because I I mean, I, I saw those quotes today from KP where he was like, I don't know what Cuban was talking about. Yeah. Um, that didn't sound great. I, maybe it came out differently. I can't say I watched the actual interview, but the way that sounded, that sounded pretty bad. I, I don't think that's something you say You generally won't wouldn't say something like that about your team's owner, regardless of what they say. Um, and you know, he can deny it all he wants, but anybody with eyes and a brain knows that him and Luca are not exactly fond of each other. Um, and you know, Cubans address that like Cuban wouldn't why would Cuban make that up? You know, um, I I think that essentially Cuban is more or less indicating that hey, um, we would trade this guy, and he's trying to do it very. Um, discreetly, <laughs> yeah, very discreetly. It, and it, it, he's actually doing it in a way where he's acting as if he's not on the market. Um, but I definitely think they shopped him. I think they at least maybe they didn't actively shop him, but they definitely listened to offers for him. And I, I really would be surprised. I, I think that they want to move off of him. I think they know that they made a mistake and that. They don't really need him. Like, I don't know what yeah. their record is without him, but I they're think they're 16 and 12 without him. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So and what with him, they're like, what is that? 24 and uh 16 or something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of that was earlier in the season when they had all this kind of COVID stuff, and they, they got off to a slow start. So I don't really know what that means. I just know that like frequently when you watch them play if you just look at their box forget watching them play if you just look at their box scores after games um pretty frequently kp has the worst plus minus on the team or he'll have the worst plus minus in the starting lineup and if you look at their plus minus for the season i think he's like what i think he's like the lowest among their rotation players which says something um it doesn't mean that he'll never get better but he's not been good this season and that's what Mavs fans have been saying. That's what Mavs fans are saying. That's what they're seeing. And, um, you know, like, I don't really like his defense is kind of shot now. Cause he's lost his lateral agility that kind of made him unique. at seven exactly. three, um, he's, you know, uh, he's, he just shoots. He, he's a good shooter, but like, he can't create his own offense very well. That was a problem for him in New York. Um, and it continues to be one he can't leverage his size to punish mismatches so that lets other teams off the hook and he doesn't have a post game and you know he he wants to be something that he's not and he thinks he's something that he's not which is some like offensive superstar um and he can't pass the ball he can't create good shots for himself so you're not that you're more of like a supporting piece but he doesn't want to buy into that so I, I don't know what they're what they would trade him for. I don't know what they want. I don't know what they can even get. I don't even know what his market is, but I would be very surprised if he sees out that contract there. And I would be not I, I would not be surprised if they trade him as soon as this off season because I just don't think it, it's working out for him there. I don't think they have very good they have a very good rapport with him. Um and he does he doesn't seem to be having a very good time there.
2: Yeah, um, I think that's, like, I think with Prazingis and Mello um, their rookie year, I don't know, like, do you think that maybe had some of the effect on Prazingis and his mindset on offense and the way he plays and the kind of, like, ISO, I'm the star player of this team type regard, or do you think that's something he kind of just came into the league with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people have tried to – say that like you know i i think it's bullshit i think it lets him off the hook i think it's a wave basically just saying like oh the knicks ruined him the knicks didn't develop him and that's you know that's horseshit because you know he made it very clear that he had his own you know off-season stuff that he wanted to do with his own coaches his own trainers and he did that and that's what he wanted to do and when mello got traded he was happy he, you know he can deny you know I, I know that they got along pretty okay him and mello right and i know that like i don't think they had a bad relationship at all um i don't think it was a thing where he didn't get along with mello but i do think he wanted him to get traded i think he wanted to be the man um and i think that's always that was always kind of like his wish was to be the guy um and you know i i i do think that um i don't think he always was this like delusional about it like i don't think he came into the nba being like i need to be the guy i gotta be the superstar i gotta be the franchise player but i do think um he got a lot of hype his rookie season you know like knicks fans were desperate for a young player to i mean to have some hope uh he was the first what he was like the highest pick we had had at that time since uh since ewing and he obviously came in and there was a lot of like skepticism initially but he looked really good as a rookie like people forget i mean as a rookie he was a genuinely good nba player which is not you know that's not not the norm yeah, that's not the norm. Like, you know, I love RJ now. RJ is genuinely a good player right now um, in his second season. But as a rookie, like, he wasn't a good NBA player last year. He was a good rookie, I thought. I Like, I didn't understand why people were so down on him. as yeah, a good kid. rookie
2: on a bad team. Yeah, yeah.
1: He, was a, he was a good rookie, but he wasn't a good player yet. Um, KP was a good player as a rookie. And I think he, like, bought into, you know, I, I think he was happy to be the second option initially. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I think that, um, you know, I I think that he genuinely bought into all his hype, and he got into he got a big head. I think it hasn't helped him that his agent is his brother, who seems like an idiot. Yeah. Um, seem, <laughs> like I don't think that you know. There's a reason you don't always do business with family. Um, family, like, he, like his brother, probably has his best interest at heart, but it gets like business is not supposed to be an emotional thing. And I have felt like a lot of times with KP shit just gets really emotional. Right. Like, um, you know, his brother telling him to like skip the exit meeting. I'm assuming that his brother at least had some input on that.
0: Oh, no, he definitely put the battery in his bag. <clears throat> yeah. Like he skips the exit
1: meeting and then, you know, he is like posting stuff on IG uh, when there are rumors about Phil Jackson listening to offers for him and like look man you can't skip an exit meeting and then he obviously like his camp obviously leaked that to reporters right that was not the knicks that was not phil that was person camp and you know this because it literally got reported right after phil jackson had his end of year press conference and he didn't mention it so and why would he why would he want to mention that that doesn't help mm-hmm. him in any way um but it got out there somehow. Um, And I think it's pretty obvious to see who put it out there when you have Woj reporting it. Um, You know, I I don't think Phil was leaking anything to Woj about it. Um, And you know, like, that's emotional stuff. Like, that's it's oh, like, he's posting, he's acting like so hurt that the Knicks are listening to trade offers for him. That's what's going to happen, man. Like, you're a really talented second-year player that teams run the NBA. Like, they think that you can be a star. So, of course, they're going to make offers to the Knicks and it's his job to listen to offers. That's that is literally the job of a president or a GM and anybody that tells you that, you know, X, Y, Z players off the table. There's like five guys in the NBA that are ever off the table that, that are untrade. Like no way you're going to trade them. Mm-hmm. He's not ever been one of those guys. Um, better players in KP have been traded, uh, or have been in trade rumors. So I never got that. And, you know, then he disappears to Latvia, you know, he's mad at the organization, doesn't talk to them for the whole off season. Then he does this stuff with Fisdale where he's like, you know, if Fisdale said he's, he's not sure what, if he's even running yet. And then he immediately posts a picture on IG of him sprinting. Oh, yeah. It's just like, yeah. like everything with him has always been super emotional. And it's like that, Like you need to get better management because you can't handle business like that. Um, and he's always handled it like that. And I think all this stuff in Dallas, it's all emotional bullshit, like you know, petty childish stuff, and he's always behaved this way. So, you know, like I said, I think I'm happy he's not our problem. I'm very happy that we I was happy when we did the trade. I'm even more happy. Um I mean I wasn't I was happy with the trade at the time. I would have been fine keeping him at the time too. So I'm not going to act like I was out there like demanding we trade him when when they did. Sure. Um but I was fine with the trade at the time and I've, I've increasingly over time felt better and better about the trade. I felt pretty damn good about it even last year. Um just because again he picked up injuries. He had to be load managed. Um I know he like balled out in the bubble, but the bubble was bullshit as we all know. Um and You know, this year has been a complete disaster for him, to be honest. Um, Even the bubble ended up being a disaster, right? Because he ended up having to get surgery after playing, like, six. He played, played, like,
0: one playoff game against the Clippers and went down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he played, like, six games total. Yeah, like you said, played one playoff game. Um, You know, I know his offensive numbers were great, but they went two and four in the bubble with him. So it's not like they were exactly killing teams um, when KP was healthy, too. And, yeah, like I said, and this year, obviously, like, now I'm just – could not be happier that we're not paying that guy. And I think that we have a lot of good professional dudes on this roster. I think we have a lot of guys that aren't super focused on petty bullshit. Um, And maybe that helps that, like, there's kind of, like, an established hierarchy thing here and RJ. But, like, you know, I mean, RJ could be a poor – like, he could do that, right? He could be like, I need to get more touches. I need Like, he hasn't. He's actually been, like, extremely – bought into playing as a complementary player in a lot of ways. Like I know he's averaging whatever, 17 and a half a game, but I mean, you know, watch him play. Like a lot of that stuff is just like spot up threes and stuff, right? He's not exactly dominating the ball and getting a shit ton of offensive reps like that, Um, which isn't to say he isn't getting any, he is getting some, but he's not, a, he's not the offensive centerpiece in any way. And he's not even like a one B till Randall's one a, right? Like in a lot of ways you could say he's a third option, given how, Rose has been playing, and sometimes
0: um, the fourth, if Reggie's shooting the shit,
1: yeah, or yeah, like or if Quickly's on, like I just think that you have a lot better situation. It feels like the organization's in a way better place, and I just don't think even if you, you know, even if you keep KP and you end up, you know, hiring Tibbs and hiring this new front office and stuff, like I just don't think he, he I don't know, he he just seemed all over the place, and I mean there were reports. Obviously, he had his off court um issue which look uh, let's just say he as soon as he left new york that thing uh you know he's in dallas fortunate for him because there was no reporting on that afterwards um <laughs> uh, but you know uh, you know there were, were even at the time of the trade like right after i i remember listening to ryan rossillo and woge on their podcast and um they both were like yeah look there's all off-court stuff with porzingis and they wanted to get him out and they you know and they obviously you know people would dismiss that but you know i think that there's obviously something there he got into a bar fight in latvia when he went home uh got jacked in the face in his hometown yeah, like a that viral video, yeah yeah so i don't know like i i just when it comes to kp i am just could not be happier that he is not on the knicks and he's not our problem
2: yeah i think that's been the coolest thing this year seeing that not like for the first few years you kind of almost like i know you said you were pretty okay with it but I mean I know a lot of fans really upset obviously about the trading KP but seeing now even the Dallas fans kind of come around to wanting to trade Prazingis has been like not rewarding necessarily but it makes the trade feel much more justified looking back on it you know all the reasons that you kind of like forced yourself to believe that it were was a good trade at the time or being validated but um, I mean I don't know I think that he's kind of like Part of the problem with Prisingas and Dallas is kind of the problem that Tim Hardaway had here is that they're both overpaid for what they can do right now. And if they were on better contracts on those teams, they could be players that contribute to winning something. Like, there's a spot in the league for KP somewhere. I just don't know whether there's a spot for KP in this league on the nice
1: contract. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned with Tim Hardaway, um, he's been good for them. I, you yeah. know, I, he was good for us too, to be honest. I just think that, like,
0: He's all streaky. His yeah, role, he, it depends on his role on the team.
1: Yeah. I mean, that we put him in a position where he had to be like the number two option. And then when KP went down, he was the number one option, which, like, you know, that's never going to be a good situation for him. And then on top of that, like, <clears throat> you know,
0: Fizzdale was a disaster. Fizzdale
1: had no idea what he was doing. And I think Hardaway, like, you just let him do whatever he wants. And he's going to literally do whatever he wants. It's not going to be great. Um, So I would put that more on, you know, the Knicks, putting him in a position where he was asked to do too much and then saddling him with literally the worst coach I've ever watched in my life.
2: Like that year we brought in Aaron Aflalo. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think it's interesting to talk about KP, right? Because, you know, KP with the injuries, he's not as much as as a defensive threat that he was before. You know, he was like on his Noel shit. You know, he was defending the rim at an elite level, uh, covering, covering a lot of space out there. And, you know, now he just can't do that because of his injury history that he's had. Um, also like, you know, he's a good shooter for his size. He's not, you know, if you look at his percentages and stuff like that, he's not like an elite, elite shooter, right. He's not pretends. He's not Duncan Robinson. He's not like one of these guys. So, it, you know, it's interesting. Right. And um, when you look at his value around the league, right. And I know you, Swin, you were saying, you don't know, you don't know, like, what a team would give up for him. But, you know, if I'm a team, say, like, Boston, right, they're looking for a center, you know, I, I wouldn't give more than one first-round pick. I know Dallas is going to be – probably going to be asking for what they gave up. It's going to be hard to get that. Um, on the open market, Swing real quick, give us, like – and say, like, they were shopping him this summer. What do you think teams are, are willing to give up for him, you know? Uh
1: – yeah, that's a good question um would like I mean I I think I mentioned this on our podcast uh, from the weekend but like would the Warriors even do Wiggins for Porzingis at this point like I would genuinely like, do that though I, I don't know like I I have no idea I mean at least Wiggins whatever you want to say about him he's on the court Every single night, that guy's yeah. durable. He's played <laughs> the think- vast. He's I think he's played almost like ninety five percent of the games um, that he's been available for, like that he's that have occurred since he's been in the NBA. Um, so, like he, he's played consistently. He's always healthy. Um, he's had a pretty good season. Um, I don't know what they do that would like. I don't even know what the Dallas will. I think Dallas would either want to get off the if they could get off the money. Um, and get like a pick back, like trade him into somebody's space. I think they'd probably prefer that, but who the hell is going to do that? Who the hell is just going to be like, okay, yeah, we'll take Porzingis into cap space for a first round pick. Like who even has cap space like that this off season, you know? Um, And who are you clearing cap space for? I I don't know. I just, I genuinely have no clue what his market would look like. Um, Maybe a team like Portland, maybe some capped out team, that needs a center. Maybe a team like the Hornets. They don't have a 5. Yeah, um,
0: their 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 center situation is the worst in the league. Yeah, the they
1: generally they generally don't have a, a 5. Um I think yeah. they have all their future first. Maybe they trade a first for him. Um I could see that. I think that's probably like I I gen- I think that might be the most realistic one. Yeah, that should get it. Maybe a team like Detroit that just doesn't have a lot going for it. Maybe it's uh, he would hate it in Detroit. Oh I know and that'd be <laughs> good. that'd be the best part. I think like I, I think a team like Even maybe DSJ <laughs> like I think maybe a team like OKC. Um you know they have a lot of they have a ton of cap space. They have all the five things. billion picks. Um you know maybe him maybe um I was just thinking about another I was team.
0: thinking Boston because of the fit. He could go right there in center, you know. But like you said, the cap situation doesn't really doesn't work out. Talk to Boston,
1: yeah. yeah, I, I just – yeah, I, I, yeah. OKC is one. Um, I could see that. I could see, like, maybe Houston. Um,
0: You see, the Hornets is a good situation, right? Because yeah, the Hornets, so. they, they don't – they don't have the appeal for free agents to come in. Right. So like, like you said, like, like you saw with Gordon Hayward, they had to overpay him way, way more than what the Knicks were trying to give him way more with the Indiana was trying to give him. Maybe they pay, overpay him. They overpay Dallas a little bit and they bring in, you know, another complimentary piece to put in with uh, Lamelo Lamello and that core that they have over there. Interesting. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that would be a really good fit for him. Um, and that's kind of my thinking, like they, them or OKC okay, so has SGA, so maybe he would like that. Um, you know, I don't know. I he I could see maybe New Orleans. I don't know. Maybe, like maybe they trade Stephen Adams to Dallas or something, and they have some picks. Maybe they give up a pick for Porzingis, Porzingis and Zion. Maybe you do something like that. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, I think I think someone will ultimately trade for him because there's always the upside um like he does have upside you'll always have somebody that believes like oh well our our medical staff is going to get him right and our coach and how we use him um because like he's a 7-3 guy you can shoot threes and that's a pretty tempting thing uh for a lot of teams in the nba but um yeah you know I, i'm i think the spurs are another one who like who do they have their big suck they got Port portal i think that's the only big they have that matters
0: they have a uh, drew Eubanks, whatever his name is, going yeah. on his brother. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, they have a ton of cap space this offseason, so you know, and we know that they were interested in Porzingis uh, back when he was in New York. We know that uh, that was like a reported fact. So that's definitely uh, that. That would be another situation that would be interesting for him. And obviously, Pop has a strong track record with all kinds of players, um, but he's obviously done a lot with european players right um or foreign players anyway uh, when you look at like tony parker and Monte ginobili and the guys like that
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah for sure for sure uh switching gears you know enough with this dallas uh talk switching gears to another team that uh we just instinctively hate the pacers i wanted to talk about the pacers because you know uh since the all-star break they've been 16 and 17 uh below 500 um not the usual competitive team that we see year in and year out um, they had a lot of injuries this year. TJ Warren, which I'm a big fan of his game. He went down at the beginning of the year. Uh, Miles Turner has been in and out with injury. The Depot has just been a mess for them in the beginning of the season, causing them to lose a few games. Um as far as the Pacers, Swin, how, like, how do you feel, right? Because, uh, you know, usually they're more of a competitive team. They made the Karis Levert trade, which is, you know, I think was very beneficial for them, replacing, uh, you know, just a fresh young wing with a lot of upside. I know I don't know how you feel about swim, but about uh, Karis Levert, but at, there's a lot of hate on Karis Levert for some reason. I don't understand why. He's a he's a great player with a lot of, uh, still a, little, a lot of upside, even though he's in almost, like, I think he's like 24, 25.
1: He's 27.
0: Oh, he's 20. God damn. Okay, so I, I, all right, all right. Damn. <laughs> but, but I still I still like him as a player for him to be replace uh, for him to replace older people. <laughs> um, you know, they 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 were very active in the trade deadline, you know, rumors say they they were trying to get off uh, Malcolm Brogdon's contract. They were trying to load off some pieces. There was a viral video, you know, on Twitter that went everywhere about, you know, the assistant coach and uh one of their lottery picks from 2 years ago going back and forth about, you know, effort on the court been a mess down there in Indiana. How do you feel about that whole situation? I don't know. If you've been paying attention. Um,
1: <clears throat> I, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean the Pacers, it feels like they need to, they, they just feel like they need a major shakeup again. Um, obviously the coach, there was all kinds of reporting that came out last week that, you know, he's probably going to get canned at the end of the season in all likelihood. Um, Seems like they have a lot of players that, like, I, I don't know. They just like they have a lot of guys that have missed time this year. I think TJ Warren has has he basically missed the entire season. Pretty much, he's, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> uh, Lavert Yeah, I mean, look, they got Levert for a guy who was going to leave at the end of the season anyway. So, you know, kudos to them. That that's fine. Um I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's a good player,
0: but you not. don't think he has any more. I, you don't think he could get a little bit better. I know he's 27, but you know with I don't know. I, I really do like Harris over the game. I really do.
1: I mean, I like his game is fine. I I like him. I think he's a good player. I just
0: you know like what is he going to be? People
1: are like he's not going to be a star. He he is what he is. He's a good player. He's a good player. He can be a starter. He can be an awesome sixth man on a contender or something like that. But he's not a star, and that's fine. That they, they got again. They got a good player for a guy who's going to walk. Who looks terrible. Who has barely played, by the way, in Miami. Um, and has looked terrible for most of the season so they still did a good job getting him um I I don't know like like what are you trying to do with this team it, it just feels like they have a, like you have all this money committed to Lavert now you have money committed to Brogdon uh Tj McConnell's a free agent this year I think they really want to keep him so you're gonna pay three guys that handle the ball a ton like it feels like somebody's gonna be out there. And if it was somebody out of those three, unless they just choose to let McConnell walk, which maybe they do. Um, but I, I feel like Brogdon is the one that makes sense to move just because like they brought him in to help them compete. And I just don't think they're really anywhere close to competing. Um, Turner and Sabonis, that fit has never been great. Um, they've made the best of it. They made it as good of it as they can but it's still not great. It's never going to be great. Um, you know, they don't have any star talent on that team. Like I guess Sabonis. Sabonis is like a borderline star, but, um, <clears throat> like how good can you be if he's essentially going to be the five? Um, I don't yeah, know.
0: Defensively it doesn't really look that good. Right. With him with the yeah. five.
1: Yeah. So I just, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing, but I, I, I do think they're going to shake it up this off season. Um, and it might be in a major way. Maybe it ends up being just more fringe moves, letting guys walk, you know, stuff like that. But I think that they're a team that to definitely watch.
0: No, for sure. And it's, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, when we, when me and Nolan first started the podcast, he was saying, uh he wanted, he was uh, willing to bring on TJ Warren onto the Knicks, Um, on a cheap on a, you know, recent reasonably cheap deal and bring him in and see if he could come back from injury. Also, we was talking about, um, you know, Miles Turner on how, like, if the Knicks are able to get their hands on him, you know, he could come in and replace uh, uh, Noel maybe compete with Mitch for that starting uh, spot because, you know, he has been up there in the top five and shot blocking the past two, three years. Um, he's able, he also has developed a three point shot, which is, you know, ideal in today's NBA. Uh, Nolan, how you feel about the pace situation?
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I really like TJ Warren as a player. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of overhyped him when we tried to compare him to Kawhi there for a little bit because of there. But, like, I mean, he's a solid player. I think he – I think earlier on in the year when I was less optimistic on what the next season was going to be, that it made a little (laughs) more sense to take on a project like that. Right now, I don't think I'd be – I mean, it would depend on what the deal was to get him and what his contract was like. But I really like Miles Turner. I think if you got him here, you would have to get rid of Mitch and Noel. I don't think there's any way you could afford to keep – of those, but um, I think honestly, he could, he'd be a really good fit next to uh Randall in the front court. And I mean, Pacers, like you guys said, they just really don't seem like they have a full direction. I mean, Miles Turner can be your center and place the Dunnest and Warren, and I guess then you know, uh, what's the fuck I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we I was forget <laughs> if <him. laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's not, like, a horrible team. But, I mean, it's just – it's the middle of the pack Eastern Conference team, and you see teams like Orlando kind of float around that area for a few years and then just end up blowing it up. And it's just, like, would you rather have your team blow it all up or just, like, be vaguely competitive for a few years? I guess it's not even a both. You know? I
1: mean, I think it's fine to be vaguely competitive. It's just, like, do you have a path to get somewhere better right. than that? And they don't really – like, I don't, I don't see, like, how they get there unless they start taking – you know, major risks, like, Hey, maybe you start packaging first and throwing in Brogdon and some, some young guy, I don't even know like, who they have, but, you know, and maybe you try to get in on Bradley Beal or something like that, but it's like, I don't think that's realistic for them. Um So, I mean, maybe, you know, like you just mentioned Orlando, not a bad idea to, to take a page out of their book and go with it with what they did. Just blow it up, clean up your cap space, um, get some first extra first round picks in and, and, you know, start a rebuild. Like, I mean, Orlando's quite, they're, they're far away from being actually good, but they got some nice young pieces now. And um, Isaac and Fultz will be back next year. So it's intriguing to see what they have. Um, and they obviously have those first round picks, which is nice. Uh, they got two from Chicago. They got one from Denver. Um, I know that one doesn't convey until a little later, but, you know, you have those things that that's nice. Um, and that gives you some time to, figure out what you have with the young guys you do have um, and see what to do, go where to go from there.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting because the Pacers, they like their model, right. Their franchise model is just to stay competitive. And that would drove Paul George insane. You know, they didn't really trade Paul George until they had to, uh, you know, Paul George uh, <clears throat> emphasized on how like he didn't really believe in the culture over there. They just wanted to stay competent. Um,
1: I think, I think his b- beef was that they never took a risk to, go trade for like another star to pair with him um and yeah like if you want to be competitive it's cool but at some point you have to understand that like you know guys are going to be annoyed if they're just if it's just like so the plan is just to just be like 45 wins and hope that someday we draft some superstar in like the 20s or something you know like i i don't know it it's not a very inspiring plan.
0: And also, I believe the Pacers are hesitant because if it backfires and, you know, they're into the shitter, you know, they're, you know, their sales are going to go down, you know, and and their team is not going to be doing as well, you know, you know, money wise as they would doing if they stay competitive every year, year out, you know, and I think they look at it that way, too, with the owners. It's it's a rough situation if you're a star in Indiana, right? Definitely is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Switching gears, uh, I wanted to do one, one last topic before I let you go, Swin. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the Westbrook. You know, Westbrook, he broke the triple double record. Uh, you know, just from we were talking about it. You know, me and Noah are big fans of Westbrook. Uh, just I know he doesn't shoot the best percentages, but the effort on the court and just looking at looking at it from an athlete's perspective man averaging a triple double is insane dog like the wear and tear on your body every night to go out there man it's not as easy as it looks and i know and, and he has you know he's a you know he's iconic in in the reference on you know he made it regular he made it almost like a, almost a regular thing you know we don't really care if a guy has a triple double now because of you know what rest book has done um, you know how do you feel about Westbrook's career we talk about it me alone we spoke about it uh Swin how do you feel about his career overall this season are you a Westbrook fan man
1: uh I have not been uh a Westbrook fan but um I think he deserves respect for just like you know he always plays you know pedal to the metal uh that has its drawbacks which I've you know, th- that's kind of why I'm not a, a huge fan of his, but um, you know, like I, I think this season's a perfect example where like it would have been easy for them at various points to just for him anyway um, to just quit and like, be like, all right, you know, well, we're eight games back or whatever, how far back they were and we're struggling and I'm playing like shit. And, you know, he had to basically play himself back into shape because he had a, you know, he's coming off, he had COVID uh, before the bubble. And then I think he had, Know he also had a quad injury, um, so he was still playing himself back into shape and stuff like that. And um, you know, uh things were not great to start the season in Washington, right? And um they fell into a major hole. Uh there's all these tweets constantly about Bradley Beal looking sad. Um, and he didn't quit and he just kept going and going and going and going, and um, you know, like (laughs) Some of those style lines he's putting up right now are just ridiculous. Like I can't even wrap my brain around them sometimes. What do you have last night, like 28, 12, 22 or something like that? Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. It, it's just like crazy some of the lines. I think I saw like last month he averaged something like 25, 17, and 13 or something, which is, you know, again, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. Um. So I don't know. Like I, I'm not his biggest fan. I do think that like there's always has been a ceiling, um with him in some ways just because of his shot selection and inability to really become ever a really good three-point shooter even an average three-point shooter but he obviously is a good NBA player and he's still a good NBA player which I did not think he was still so credit to him for that and um you know uh, I guess good for him like he's at least he's playing for something um you know because John Wall is not playing for anything and uh that, that's the guy obviously traded to get Russ. Um, I forgot he was in the league, goddamn. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but but yeah, like Russ Russ, you know, he he always finds a way to be relevant and like you know, forget about how you felt about him before or any of that shit. But like what he's been doing for the past month is just fun, like it's pretty awesome. Um, and he deserves credit for that because like I said, I think a lot of people, not just me, a lot of people um uh, thought he was cooked. Uh, oh, I definitely did. Yeah, I thought he was done, man. I thought after the first couple of months this season, I was like, oh man, this this guy is completely done. But he keeps he keeps grinding. He keeps coming at you, and um good for him. Like, you know, hopefully they get a hopefully they beat the Hawks. Yeah. No, they won by one, right? Yeah, they only they that, I mean, that's that's a classic Westbrook thing, right? Like they can't they haven't been able to stop him the entire night, getting to the rim, and he settles for a pull up jumper with like three seconds left.
0: You know, I think it's interesting when you say that uh, uh, a lot of fans thought he was uh, cooked. Um, I had still optimism for that because uh, remembering the playoffs, he had hurt his quad. And then in the beginning of this year, he had caught COVID. And um, if you look at athletes, you know, NFL, MLB, whatever, like it takes them a while for them to get back into what they was previously before, conditioning wise and all that. So, you know, I think it's important when you look at Westbrook uh, this first half of the year, just take it with a grain of salt just because of all that stuff, you know, the quad injury, you know, it is very uh, tedious type of injury, right? Because it, it takes a while for you to get back and you don't know if you're back hundred percent, you get on the court and then you might have setbacks. So, it, 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 you know, when I looked at that, when I, you know, when I hear fans say his first half of the season wasn't, you know, people thought he was cooked. It's like, you know, relax, you know, because Jason Tatum, he, he had a slow first of the year, and then he turned it on. And, you know, Westbrook, now he's turning it on. And it's interesting because we were talking, me and Nolan, we were talking about how Beal and Westbrook, you know, they're, they're, they're dynamic duo this year, and if Beal is willing to, you know, do another year of this. And uh, how do you feel about that, Swim? Because, you know, we were adamant on saying on how, you know, Beal should give Bruss another chance just because of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think Beal is going anywhere this offseason. Um they've made it pretty clear that they don't want to trade him. I think he is being completely honest when he says that he doesn't want to be traded. Um and yeah, I think that Russ turning it on, like for sure, like they gives him a little bit of hope. Um, that hey, like maybe you know, now Russ has played himself back into shape. He doesn't he's not suffering from the after effects of COVID. Um they can come back. Next season, and you know, they they pick up where they left off, kind of thing. Um, so maybe they end up becoming like a you know, five seed, six seed, whatever. Um, and maybe they can make one more trade. And you know, they there's just a little bit more hope than there was before, anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Beale is going to be forcing a trade anyway. Uh, I think that ultimately, if he leaves, it'll be as a free agent in 2022 or something like that. For sure. Nolan,
0: final thoughts on that?
2: Um, pretty much the same. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't really have much to add, to, that, to be honest. I mean, we kind of touched on it last time. I think, I think they'll be in. You know, I, th- I don't think they'll be in the play in next year if they add a few pieces. I think they can actually make it into the top eight for sure. Yep.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Swin, I appreciate you coming on the corner three, you know, brand new podcast in the Knicks community. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Uh, Make sure to check out Swin and uh, the Strickland. Uh, Great content for Knicks fans. Uh, I check out that content pretty often. Uh, Make sure to check out Swin on Twitter, Strickland on Twitter, and uh, we'll catch you guys next episode.